0: Welcome to this week's episode of Sorry, You're in My Seat, a weekly podcast that unites two best friends on a quest to find the greatest movies of all time. My name is Aaron, and each week I have the pleasure of talking movies and films with my best buddy James. Hello there. And this week is no exception as we roll into episode 262 of the podcast.
1: James, you're laughing. What's going uh, do you know on? What? It's nothing, it's not even funny. It's not really not that funny. But do you remember that episode we did where I just said, You're here? <laughs> I can't get that out of my head. now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's been a horrible week, right? <laughs> so tired. I'm so old now. We are old. Jo has never seen an episode of Blackadder. Never. I showed her Blackadder goes forth. Like, one of the funniest things Britain has ever produced. She's never even seen it. Did she she knew what it was though I She knew what it. it was Yeah so she'd heard about it And she seen like The final scene you know, It's iconic We've always said on this show That comedy and drama mm. They go hand in hand They go over the trench They all die in no man's land mm. Doing something ridiculous really Marching straight into the enemy fight Stupid but That was World War One. She'd never seen it before and then I just came to the realisation that Friday night, you know, partying disco and I tried to go to bed at eight o'clock because I'd just seen M. Night Shyamalan's latest film and I just thought, life's too short, mate. Well, that's
0: We're going to talk about M. Night, uh, M. night Shyamalan's new movie, Knock at the Door. Knock
1: at the Door. Um, Knock at the Cabin Door. No, it's not Knock at the Door is all I've got. Yeah, yep. it's based on a very uh, successful book that's, yep. that's apparently subtle.
0: Which, which you
1: wouldn't get from this film. <laughs> Spoilers,
0: <laughs> and somehow from that you went on to Blackadder with uh, Esther not seeing it. Before. I'm not seeing it goes forth. It. I, I, good to say, I think it is the best season.
1: I've always liked the third series when they, they're dealing with the King, the madness of King George and his Blackadder being like the servant to Hugh Laurie and Hugh, So good, Hugh yeah. Laurie, is his performance as the the idiot, basically the idiot prince in waiting. Was it season two with Rick Mail as the as Flash? He does. He shows up again as Flash. In Black Adam goes, uh, Black Adam, for flip's sake, <laughs> uh, Black Adam goes forth. You know, he plays the RAF agent. He comes in and he punches the Nazi. That's also the other guy in uh, Adam, uh, bottom. Mm. Uh, Aidan Aiden. Aiden. Richardson. Aiden. And Miranda Richardson obviously plays Queen Elizabeth II in the second series, which is again phenomenal as well. With mm. He's a young, a very young Stephen Fry. Yeah, I love the whole Steam Fry the, Darling. Basically the first series one is a bit crap. And it was Richard Curtis that came along. I don't give Richard Curtis a lot of credit, but he really helped Ben Elton like really shore up that show. But I like, I see, you've ever seen this? He's just like, No. It's like, you've never seen Black Adder Black Adder. It got very sad. It just just it was sad. It's classic. Classic. It was classic. In, in Our Household Growing Up, there was that Forty Towers. Forty Towers exactly, obviously, famously only three series. Black Black Adder. Four series. I know mm. they did some specials. British British comedy knows when to end it, mate. Unless it's only Fools and Horses. It's knocking it out. Like after 50 years, they're still going. But still, it's good. Do you want to fan out this week as well? Go for it. You and I, big fan of film reviews. He has passed the, the last few weeks. Oh, um, um, Parkinson. Parkinson, yeah. yeah obviously, Michael Parkinson. Michael Parkinson passed, which we kind of, because we record our shows two in one batch, we, we, it's news that kind of like went behind... You know, by the wayside just because it was in the middle of two recording sessions. I was very sad. We used to love Parkinson's reviews. He yeah. was always very erudite and great to listen to. It was very sad. He was an honest
0: reviewer as well, an interviewer. I, I, I used to. he was certainly a gateway for me getting into movies, and because he had the big Hollywood stars. And I know, you know, Jonathan Ross kind of, Graham Norton nowadays kind of filled that void. But originally, film stars went to Parkinson. It was Parkinson, and that that you know, and and. Um, I remember, you know, I remember watching the interview with Meg Ryan that just tanked. They're just famous with. ones, yeah. I remember when Mel Gibson went on, you know, promoting We Were Soldiers. I, I I used to watch that all the time and use that as like my kind of how I found out about film stars. And 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 uh, Parkinson, he, the best quote he ever said was, uh, "Asked who was the best because he's spoken to everyone." He said, "Who's the best person you've ever interviewed?" And he said, "I interviewed Muhammad Ali twice and I lost twice." Yeah, and it's a re- there's a really good way of summing up. Uh, Ali's character,
1: and uh, yeah, it was just it was just something that was very very sad, and just something that you grew up with. Friday nights, Parkinson, you know, it was on. Remember when he made the jump from BBC to ITV? There was uproar. It's like he won't get the same viewership. You brought him in, mate. Not the same as when Ross Kemp moved. <laughs> Seriously, my head's full of this shit. <laughs> like I remember when Ross Kemp moved from ITV to ITV did Strike Force, mate. Then he went on to Sky and he did those shows where he was basically a maniac and joined horrible gangs where he, at any point Ross Kemp could get murdered. <laughs> I just well, quite like that. I, no, I did that, as well. That so was a wild well good show. Bear in mind he got there because he played a hard band in EastEnders. <laughs> 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 anyway, yeah, so this realisation, it's been a weird week, mate. It's been a proper weird week. How about you? How are you getting on?
0: Very tired. Yeah. House renovation all week. Putting some insulation into a floor. Oh, decorating. <laughs> then to cap it off, two gigs, one in Newcastle, then played a gig in glasgow and got back about four hours ago i'm Ooh. knackered yeah you James. are i'm shattered you, well, you you're you're in the early stages of of uh of of an illness yeah uh, so you're like you're like
1: in resident evil where you've been bitten but you're day. starting to sweat yeah but you're not a zombie yet yeah but you are a full-blown zombie <laughs> <laughs> you're so, full-blown zombie it won't bite me because you can smell the infection i can in smell me. the infection it'll be a waste of a bite <laughs> And your wife just downstairs, downstairs unsuspecting
0: that <laughs> she's going to get bitten. Sure, she, she's, uh, she's the host, mate. The, she knows. <laughs> um, loads of things to talk about. Whistle stop around a load of shows, TV stuff, and a little, 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 little special feature on uh, Ewan McGregor. Kind of fill in this podcast journey with our, our usual what's your favorite yeah. you know, film? What's your favorite episode? What's your favorite TV series? Whatever it is. Today, it's going to be Ewan McGregor. So what's a favorite Ewan McGregor performance film? Or piece of art that he's been involved in
1: for that round table, we've we've hinted at M Night Shyamalan. Should we start there? Let's let's start off with his latest meal, his latest designs on Hollywood. So you know he took a battering; it's fair to say in his early part of his career. But then he did seem to bring it back. You know, especially when he got his hands on a young James McAvoy, he gave us split. We were, we were we were big fans of split. And then it came to whatever that monstrosity was, where he created his own shared universe. We all sat in that for a while. that um I, I Yeah,
0: Shyamalan, we've done an episode on him, so we should say that. We have done an we episode have. on him, He's Very early on, though. And, and you know, I've, I sp- I still speak very positively about movies like Signs. I love I Unbreakable. I fucking don't understand how. I, I genuinely don't know I how. like, uh, obviously, Sixth Sense. I think he's, he's great. Of course, then there's the absolute crap of The, the Last Airbender. The, the Happening. Happening. <laughs> The village is the one that's kind of in the middle where it's like, ah I kind of I kind of agree I see what he went for.
1: What's what's your opinion on the, uh, you know, the, the the woman in the water? Oh you didn't see it, like.
0: I everyone? have seen it. I have seen what? it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, woman in water. Yeah, yeah, better than better than the village. Not difficult. Not that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But not as bad as last airbender, which was terrible. That is true. <laughs> And of course, we've had old since then as well. But the yes, the, the, beach. So the thing about Shyamalan though is he he always gives it a go, James. <laughs> do and you and I tell you what, God loves a try. <laughs> and it's like when we did the Michael Bay episode. There are certain things you know you you know that he has traits, he has a, a box of tricks that he utilises in his films. Shyamalan, I do I do watch these films. Going, am I going to like it? Am I maybe? I don't know. It could be it, because he has
1: done great. Unbreakable Sixth Sense, they are great movies. Right. That's genuinely a point I want to make. Have you when was last time you rewatched The Sixth Sense? Is it as good as you remember? Yes, is it, it the is. hype of you it remembering is. it? No,
0: it is a good film. I don't it know if film. it is.
1: I, I think it was a good film. I don't know if it is a good film. After that, though, so this becomes the the great debate of and I use Star Wars as a great example. The first three, the first three are amazing. The first three films are fantastic. The original trilogy, put them up there with the best. Put them up there with Lord of Rings, which is obviously brilliant. Guardians of the Galaxy. You know, the big hit is, then the prequels came, not so good. Then the sequel trilogy came, and was dog shit. So statistically, there are more bad films than good films. So your argument, and I know you're going to disagree, and you're fine to disagree. The argument would be that the Star Wars franchise is actually dog shit, because there's more... The norm is it for it to be bad, and the, the good ones, you know, are very far and few between. So it's actually a bad franchise with some good elements. Do you understand that logic? I get. I I, I know you I don't get agree. You say, but I disagree. I, yeah, I know yeah, that you yeah. don't agree, and most people don't agree, and that's fine because they love the world, and that's primarily what you're building into, and that's fine. I understand that argument. M9 Shyamalan, I've really, I'm trying to be positive. I am. Here's their turds with with one diamond in them. <laughs> so you've really got to find that diamond, Is he that <laughs> bad? Is he that bad? I think it. Right? Do you remember when you watched old? Yeah. I genuinely thought. Rufus Sewell, who is a great actor, was going to jump out of the screen and eat me because because M. Night Shyamalan had told him to overreact. He said, did you see Mark Warburg in that Happening? And he went, yeah. He went, that times 10. <laughs> he went, go for it. Imagine there's no one here. And if you watch carefully, especially on 4K, you can actually see Rufus <laughs> come out of the television. He's coming for you. <laughs> it's that bad. But old was a good example
0: of a movie that I watched thinking he's got me he's got me I do want to know why they're getting older on this beach and I do want to know how they're going to get off it and what fun can you have with this premise of every hour is seven years like what what fun can you have with that you, you, and, you. and 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 often I, I, I do admit more often than not in fact most of the time I do finish the film going yeah that was shit yeah but there is always a moment in the midpoint where I'm like, okay, "You've got your hooks in me," you know. Like, like the village, as bad as that movie is, and we're probably repeating a lot of stuff that we covered in the Shyamalan movie. Yeah, the first forty minutes of that film, where, where you're building up, you know, like the you know, whacking Phoenix has been stabbed and she's got to go get the medicine, you know, and, it's, and she's blind and there's these creatures and Sigourney Weaver's there, and you're like, there's a lot in this that I'm that I'm like invested in, and then it gets rubbish. Yeah, but. Last Airbender is rubbish from start to finish. Oh, yes. But a lot of the others get about halfway, (laughs) including Knock at the Cabin. And I'm like, I'm kind of in it. I'm kind
1: of here. I'm watching it at least. (laughs) I'm going to say this before we start really talking about Knock at the Cabin. Knock at the Cabin, I like, despite the director. (laughs) What I mean is, the acting's pretty good, but the writing, the writing's on poor with a four-year-old carving in in bits of wood. It, It makes no sense. Like, I've always, if you watch a Shyamalan film, and I include The Sixth Sense. If you read it on paper, it's the drivel of a madman. <laughs> but watching it on the screen, it's the actors that are portraying it or the setting, and it comes across quite well. The writing is terrible. The dialogue is not that great. And straight off the bat, Dave Batista had me. I, I, I was on his side. I was like, yeah. He's, He's good casting. I genuinely thought this film worked despite the direction. So Knock at the Cabin,
0: it's a Shyamalan's latest 2023 movie. It's a 15, it's one hour 40, it's classed as a mystery horror starring the likes of Dave Bautista, Rupert Grint. Uh, here he is. Uh, it's also got Ben Alderidge in it, Jonathan Groff in it, uh, Abby Quinn, and of course M. Night Shyamalan's in it. Of course he is. Because
1: he's a Hitchcock fan, he's got to slide himself into that movie. Do remember that form? when Alfred Hitchcock was in his film selling like blenders? <laughs> <laughs> it's, can you name what he is in every one of his films? Who? Hitchcock or... No, I'm, I'm trying. Because I know, in this, obviously, he's the infomercial, and the only one I can remember is that he kills Mel Gibson's wife. In <laughs> And then tells him that aliens are afraid of water. And I'd like to point out, true. <laughs> so,
0: cool, It won't make it up. And he <laughs> he'd, he'd locked one in a, in, a, in a pantry. So, actually, maybe yeah. the hero
1: of the movie. <laughs> also, actually, if you think about it, if, if she didn't die, then Mel Gibson wouldn't know how to beat the aliens. So, you know, hero. <laughs> the true hero of the story. In um, is it Sorry.
0: in uh, old? He pops up towards the end in like the lab. Oh, old, really. Old, really. The more I think about that film, the more I was excited to be like, "How are they going to get out of this conundrum?" And then, disappointing. disappointingly, then, <laughs> disappointingly like, they they just escape through the giant plot hole. Mm. Um, <coughs> this movie is uh, it's 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 a play on home invasion. Uh, style movies where uh, they're a vacationing uh, couple and their daughter uh, that's Ben Aldridge playing Andrew and Jonathan Groff playing Eric and their daughter Wen played by Kristen Chu uh, are vacationing holidaying, taking a bit of R&R and in a, in a in a beautiful cabin
1: yeah it looks nice i'd go there
0: in the woods it's very it's very i it. it looks nice it it looks like the kind of place that i would like to
1: relax it's the unwind. poor place they put on the brochure like spot on it's like oh this is what you'll get and then yeah. when you get there you normally get a tub no it, this is what you get
0: it's the kind of cabin that you know that sooner or later you imagine um what's his name kevin james is going to turn up as a nazi trying to find some old treasure Do you remember that movie no Becker.
1: yes yes i Becker. can yes i can Becker. i was watching
0: that i was like oh god this reminds me of that movie that came out a few years ago um it's so their holiday and then pretty much straight away in the movie david batista appears as this fine-dressed well-spoken but giant gentle giant mm-hmm. with nice glasses who uh, approaches when the child's uh outside the um outside the cabin and starts to make friends with her and says he's there he's got a, uh, an important reason for being there then out of the woods come three or four more other characters, including Rupert Grin.
1: <laughs> yeah, keep building them all.
0: and and Abby Quinn's character, <laughs> uh, and uh, and then it becomes home invasion, where the four of them, the four of these uh, individuals with kind of makeshift weapons, yeah, take
1: everyone in the cabin hostage for a specific reason. Over to you, James. <laughs> So the reason they're doing this is because <laughs> they've had visions and they believe the end of the world is going to happen unless one of these members of the family sacrifice themselves. Their love will perpetuate a reason for God uh, to basically keep the human race alive and to, to basically stop the counter from resetting or basically to prevent these people sacrifice themselves in a horrible way to basically reset the timer so you've got a bit longer for the family to decide who has to die. Obviously, they don't believe him. Why wouldn't you? Why, why would you? What I love about this is, he. he when we see Dave Fatista, he's great, and I like Dave Fatista, and it's a great casting because we all kind of like Dave Fatista. Despite the fact that he's getting fat shamed, he's like, leave the man alone. I don't, do you, can you remember when he did Glass Onion and everyone was like, look at the wrinkles on his head? It's just like, You're like <laughs> what a weird thing for people to be talking about. It's like. Fuck you, <laughs> mainstream everything. Anyway, it comes on a bit strong. <laughs> like, if you're a kid and this guy, General Giant, comes in and starts talking you about how like, extreme this is, and then Harry Potter's best mate comes out like cr- Crack Ron Weasley. <laughs> crack Ron Weasley is intense. Like, I, I was love- sweating watching him sweat. <laughs> I love Crack Ron That's everything. I want to re-watch Harry Potter with Crack Ron Weasley. <laughs> I think it would be fucking excellent. Anyway, uh, the book that it's based on is actually quite subtle. The psychological trauma, um, the is it real, isn't it? It's about belief, about faith, you know. They're being told this. They don't believe it. So they turn on the TV and they see planes literally falling from the sky. They see everything that basically makes you believe it, which is weird because as a storytelling point, where's the sacrifice? <laughs> I know that sounds really stupid. In the book, which I've not read, I'm only guessing, I'm only basing on what it is, it's the idea about belief, faith, not spe- specifically about religion, but the faith in each other, a faith in something that you... That's what it is. It's a leap of faith. Would you, kill, would you kill yourself to save your family? Of course you would. Like, There's no question about it. I, I know you. I've known you for a long time. I think 90, if, if you could guarantee that your death would save your family, you'd do it. Mm. Obviously, it does no other way. <laughs> like, so there's not really many sacrifices, because in this film, it's made abruptly clear that Dave Bautista was right. And weirdly, the heroes of our story are the villains, because they're basically letting these people kill themselves. <laughs> it's been proven quite early on in the film that what they're saying is correct. No subtlety in this film. Mm. Subtlety was taken on back and beaten, a lot like Crack Ron Weasley. It is a... Do you know what? I really like the characters and I like their interactions. I love Dave Bautista. His character of Leonard is a, a gentle giant of kindness. And obviously it's great casting because he's an intimidating man, but he speaks very softly. It's very well acted I genuinely really liked this film up until about the third act when, you know, the shit monitor just exploded, Mm. and exploded with planes dropping from the ceiling, uh, from the sky, because the sky falling in is, is a sign of the apocalypse. There is some really good, subtle bits in it, but they are very quickly moved over for the glorification of violence, which doesn't really go anywhere. The child actor's good. I think you know she does a she does a great job of being the innocent victim. However, she is pi- kind of dropped halfway through the film. She's just like your job is to cry now. You've yeah. had your moment. You're you're done now. Now it's the story about and it,
0: it. And it does start. It starts with a, a, a quite a strong social narrative. I mean, you know, Eric and Andrew are a same-sex couple. You know, yeah, and and you know David Busta when, when you know when he arrives at the cabin, he's like, we we you know we're not here because of that, and we didn't realize that you were a same-sex couple. Yeah this is it's not premeditated on anything like it. it's just you know we have to do this and so i thought it was going to start and explore that theme a bit yeah. more and it does through for a, for a
1: few flashbacks and a few ideas of that but then that kind of also gets it dropped also just dismissed so so these visions as well and it's a really good way of explaining why they do this they do it on faith they've had this vision they can't get it out it's the same vision it's a shared delusion which is something that's brought up by one of the characters that's held captive they say it's a shared delusion you're you're going crazy that makes sense? Dropped. Mm. Everything is dropped very quickly because, you know, there's a, there's a COVID-19 reference in there that's killing kids. You know, like, it is really on the... It's like bare buckle beating you, the story. is like, it's telling you, if you don't kill one of yourselves, the whole human race will die. And uh, that grows really old really quickly. Like, the there's, uh, there's such a good film in here. If you scaled it back, if you made it more sort mm. of like, are they telling the truth? Aren't they? But because they go full force to one... The direction of the film doesn't shock you. There's no twist. There's no anything, really. You know, fair play goes against the M. Night Shyamalan thing because how awesome... Not awesome, but how... You know, at the end, he kills himself. One of them kills themselves and it doesn't change. The story. You're like, ha, ah, joke, lol. <laughs> you see M. Night Shyamalan running away.
0: I what do I, I do like Jonathan and Ben... Uh, Jonathan Groff and, and Ben, Andrew and Eric, so the the couple. I do like their dynamic when they're in it because... You know, one of them gets like, knocked on the head so he slightly concussed and, and he's the one who starts to like actually look at it and be like, yeah. hold on, is there some truth in this? And, you know, your question, is it because he's been hit on the head or is it actually because he does believe it? Whereas Andrew's character is straight up like, you're fucking delusional, get out. And, and I li- I li- I, li- I quite like their dynamic, the two of those two.
1: I hated the ending and it's really hard to talk about in a Night Shyamalan film and with spoiled because it's quite a new film so we really can't, talked too much about the ending mm. and why I really didn't like it but the ending forced flat majorly so here's a question then going back
0: to the m Night Shyamalan conundrum you can't judge a series by its finale and you, can't. and you can't really judge a film by its third act because I mean you, you can't watch and, me and, you, well, <laughs> and I know you do but the third act is always the weakest of the three yeah right it's normally yeah. the weakest of the three because it tends to be difficult to wrap things up with a nice tidy bow that satisfies everyone's appetite so the third act is always going to be the most controversial and divisive so this is the thing with Shyamalan. Is it acceptable to put on the screen and in the cinema and in people's homes an interesting idea that's not been done before that does make you think, hold on. Like you know, like with old and, and, and the happening. Like the happening, remember right, so everyone goes Be straight careful. to <laughs> Everyone goes straight to Mark Warburg. But that film starts badass. It, when like people just throwing themselves off buildings and yeah. you know, and, and um that woman like takes a knitting needle to her own neck and everything. And you, and there's an audience member, you're like, The fuck is going on here? Do you know and and, and
1: you know, So you know there's a storyline in the happening where Zoe Dashnell's character has had an affair on Mark Wahlberg. Yeah, it's been weird. And, and but, do you know yeah. how that's dropped off within twenty minutes. Yeah. But it's not like his audience we were wanting that. He chose to bring that up, then drop it. <laughs> what was that for one as well? Was it the visit? Or what was it what was it all with the two
0: kids and they go to the grandparents' house? And the grandparents are really weird And then off with the movie they're, they're on a video call And the parents are like They're not your grandparents I've not seen that one And again that was another one of those where it's That's like, cool this is for... And I'll tell you another one And then, it... then the third one It turns out that they weren't the parents Was he a producer <laughs> as well On that movie Devil Where there's four yes, people, was. In elevator, yeah. oh, people in an elevator Five people in an elevator And one's mate. the devil but again I watched that film Like I want to know Who the devil is James But you didn't guess It was the dead one I mean, that's not
1: fair is it It's not fair Because she was at the game First Yeah <laughs> <laughs> Stop not fair. Do you know what I really hate the most about that is, surely right to so the devil in that. And I don't want to go on about it, but I'm fucking, I am. The devil has chosen this particular soul that he wants to get. And it turns out that this soul is responsible f- for killing the lead investigator's wife in a drunk driving accident. And he's been searching for him, never know who it is. And he, he admits it, doesn't he? When he's in the elevator, and the devil, who's an old dead woman standing over him, admits it. And then the devil's like you know, the guy admits over the radio so the cop knows, oh, you killed my wife. And the devil's like, I really wanted your soul. And I remember thinking, surely the devil's got much better things to do. Yeah, <laughs> we week, like, we off. Like, he's like, I'm going to go up to Earth and get this one fucker. You know, multi-murderers and really dark souls. I was like, fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go in an elevator, soil myself, get stabbed. <laughs> That'll be good. <laughs> it's like, what? Did the devil, mate? No. I, do you know
0: what? I, I don't, I think we're skimming around the question though. Is that like, he's like, like I so said, we we're, we do you also, is, it, is it is it fair to judge Shyamalan's movies on the fact that he never sticks the landing when actually because one thing we say a lot on this podcast is I'd rather see someone with an original idea go for it than the same old shit all
1: the time. We would, but I'd like him to be good at least. Do you know what? the only one the biggest conundrum I'll always have is science because I really like science, but it's not the third act that lets it down; it's the scene where you've got great actors dressed up in tinfoil hats. And I get it because, you know, Merle,
0: is it Merle? Working Finish's
1: character. character. He's like been seduced by the pictures of the books, and, you know, he's like, if in doubt, wear it. But there's a point when that film I just don't like in the third act is terrible in my eyes. It's laughably bad how it all comes together. And I get it. The film isn't actually about aliens, it's about signs. Look Mm. out for the signs that guide you. My head can't disconnect that. It's like, it's a terrible film. And the happening, mate, is a scrambled egg of shit. (laughs) It's so bad. I, I know you saying saying, does it stick down? It doesn't stick the opening. I... It, it opens up, when you're right, with a construction site and a guy falls down and they all go, oh my God, was that Bobby? And they're like, oh my God, Bobby's dead. I can't believe it. Then the rest of them fall down. You're like, oh my God. It never, it never matches the excellence of the first minute. It spends the next 89 minutes trying to equal minute one. And it never does Until minute 91 When they're in a French park And it looks like the French Are about to get it And you're like Wow I could watch the first minute And the last minute And I'd have a much better story Than the minutes
0: in between There's the bit where the guy Feeds himself to a tiger There's a the bit where he Lays in front of the lawnmower There's the bit when uh... <laughs> What about <laughs>
1: where, where John Luzogamo Stares at the crack of the window
0: <laughs> And then drives a the car And then he doesn't kill him So he gets out And he cuts his own wrist With the glass
1: yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's a great film. Should have asked bleak isn't it. <laughs> it's bleak isn't it. The bleak. Uh, the Sixth Sense. A great, great film. I haven't seen it in so long. I, I think. I watched it about a year ago. It holds up. It's a brilliant movie. I say words, but I trust your words. It's
0: terrifying. Tony Collette is amazing in that film.
1: Yeah, yeah. Bruce I Willis was was still trying at that point. I know. I do think it's, I think that's the exception of the rule. All his other great. films. I think yeah, that's where we disagree. I think it's okay. See, I think
0: Unbreakable. The the more. The more watered down and formulaic superhero movies get now, it makes Unbreakable look more like better and better and better. Do
1: you know what? Well, we posted we posted about final series being really bad on on episode two episodes ago. And we got a great response when I posted this week we were talking about it with some of our fans, and one of the fans had heroes. How the fuck did you fuck heroes up? The first series of heroes was amazing. Now he was it wasn't on the list because the last series was I didn't see it. Was <laughs> it a right strike? Was that maybe did, did but, that fall under But series two is when the main uh, that one of the best ones the guy who can travel through time goes back to feudal Japan yeah yeah yeah, That's, yeah. then it was like shot itself in the foot and then like in the future the superheroes go, are you really how did you screw heroes up because if you'd done that right you could have like given birth to the superhero genre anyway I just thought that was really cool whoever wrote in heroes great choice mm. never made the list though so knock at the cabin what are you saying avoid watch I actually say watch. This is one of these films where you've got to tell me what you thought of it because I quite liked it despite the direction. I don't like some of the shots. I don't like some of the writing. But the acting, it's not subpar. So it's very good.
0: Yeah, I've, I've, I think Shyamalan's only really stuck the landing in two of his films. And that's unbreakable in a sense. I don't. I can't yeah. think of any others where <laughs> where since I've actually thought, oh yeah, that, that's it. Nice. Maybe. Split, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, Split was enjoyable. McAvoy, McAvoy was having the time of his life in yeah. that film. Glass. I mean, Glass. I'll tell you this about Glass, and I said it then, and I say it now. The best thing about Glass is that they're bigging up this idea that they're going to fight like King Kong and Godzilla at yeah. the top of this building, and they don't get out of the car park. Yep. And I and I remember watching it. And this is ever go like. Okay, that's good. You, you know what I mean, like because it laid you down a path, and then it didn't happen.
1: What I love about it as well is, thank God there was a puddle in that park. I
0: mean, that, <laughs> Otherwise, he'd I remember be watching boxed. that, be, thinking. I remember when that happened. I was like, okay, so there's the guy that I really liked in Unbreakable dying in a puddle. Yeah, he dies in a
1: puddle. <laughs> and it was, and it, you know, it's weird. Weird. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I, I, I think you should watch it. I quite. I thought I was going to turn it off a lot. I mean, I watched the entire film. I thought it was going to turn off within half an hour. Dave like, Batista
0: is definitely a pull to watch this movie. Which is
1: probably because of Dave Batista. And I'll be honest, there's a flashback where you see Crack Ron Weasley with a ginger beard. That was quite cool.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah crack I do
1: Ron-, Ron Weasley is a good one. Yeah.
0: Um, Knock at the Cabin. Uh, are you watching... The Ahsoka TV series.
1: I am not, but I know it's on the list to watch because we're doing an episode on the Star Wars Extended Universe soon, aren't we?
0: Yeah, well, the miniseries that connect the dots of the of the motion pictures. But Ahsoka um, is now, it's just finished at the point of recording this. Episode six has aired. Yeah. So there's two more to go. Uh, Rosie Dawson playing Ahsoka Tano, the... The young Padawan of uh, Anakin Skywalker in the Clone Wars series. Fan favourite in the animated world. Gets a live-action debut uh, in, in the form of Roger Dawson's character. And huge members of the Rebels cast, including Mary Elizabeth Weinstead, who plays Hera. Um, you've also got uh, David Tennant voicing uh, Huang Oh, cool. Very sarcastic. You, you know, that's the thing about the... Uh, the droids they do it, do it, the they're droids they're very quite dry like. and sarcastic aren't they do quite
1: like that I want to see a slapstick droid now. you've got a uh, Natasha Lou
0: Bordizo I think it's how you pronounce it as Sabine um, and if you're a Rebels fan Ezra's yeah. in it you know I think that's been spoiled now um, you know from, from the last episode I'm not going to go into it massively but there's two things I do want to say about hmm. it is one um, it's produced, directed, some of the episodes, directed and written by Dave Fellini, who kind of came on board with a lot of the animated <laughs> stuff. And he's now seen as the kind of godfather of the Star Wars universe and and the, the maniac behind everything Star Wars at the moment. And and certainly is there with um, Favreau in regards to kind of getting the Mandalorian up and running. Um, and, you know, he's had his touch on this. And it's, it's bridging that gap between... Um, the end of Return of the Jedi and obviously the sequel trilogy, which you talked about earlier yeah. as being the kind of the, the, the weaker of the movies and, and the weaker of the trilogies.
1: It's because it doesn't have those kind of shows. All these shows now are bridging the original with the prequel. And you talked about that, about how that makes the prequel actually seem more interesting. You yeah. have nothing like that for the sequel trilogy, which I'm fine with because I think it's dog's dinner. I but... actually,
0: actually, I actually find with the prequel trilogy now after watching Clone Wars, the animated show, it, it's, it's almost unfair that there's only three live-action movies when there's all this other stuff happening behind the scenes yeah, that they, the animated show got to explore.
1: It just happened between episodes two and three, didn't it? Yeah, and and uh, but
0: th- that's the war, you know, all the war is there, you <laughs> well, know.
1: The one thing that you don't talk about is in the second one it builds up to a giant war, you know, this it's like, oh my God, the clone army walks out and Yoda's like, we're going to war, motherfuckers, because that's what Yoda says. Yeah. And then the next film starts with them kidnapping the, the, the guy. <laughs> it's like, we got him, lol. <laughs> 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 Dooku, mate. Dooku. You know, again in the animated series, you get to explore
0: that character a lot, lot more. And so but anyway, Ahsoka, the TV show is it really is good. I've really enjoyed it. I think oddly, oddly not necessarily just because of Ahsoka. She's great. She's an awesome character, a bit more mature in this. Even um, I know who
1: she is. Yeah, she's a,
0: you know, she's kind of turned her back on the force somewhat. It's this idea that she's um, gone grey, isn't she? She, so this is always up for debate. True fans of Star Wars say there is no such thing as gr- as the greys. Uh, I disagree. That it's, 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 you know, but but then there's been literature that's that's canon that that there are greys, you know. So I I don't know. I mean, her lightsabers certainly aren't of any colour. So so maybe cop oh, out, mate. She's 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 turned her back on the force in the sense that um and there's a really good scene in one of the episodes that's just gone. Where um, you know, she was raised at a Padwan in war, and all she's ever known is war. She doesn't know, you know, the the Sam Jackson era of we are protectors of the peace. Yeah. She doesn't know all of that stuff. She's she's a product of a war and has been trained as a soldier. of that sounds amazing. And so she turns her back on it and, and he's like, I don't, you know, all this like senseless killing and all this kind of stuff. And and then a bunch of other stuff happens as well which kind of make it decide to kind of step away from the Force somewhat and then this comes in. A couple of things that I wanted to mention about what makes Ahsoka so brilliant other than the visualness of it all. It is brilliant. David Tennant's awesome as as you are. Um, There's a scene that's just happened in, in episode 6 which was just phenomenal with the big bad of this series. Fraun who comes from the animated world blue character with uh, red eyes. Mm. He's a he's grand admiral Of, uh, but it fills the it fills the gap of well, where did the new army come from after the end of yeah? You know, so who was orchestrating all of that? And you've you've got witches as well, and you've got another galaxy that they travel to, and so they've got all this other stuff where you're like, it's starting to bridge that gap, like what the Mandalorian has done, you know, for kind of putting a a plaster on some of the films that or some of the characters that we've never really enjoyed or explored. and much like the animated show did for the prequel trilogy, which kind of reinvigorated it and gave it a lot more love and context and and freedom. This now is, in all its best attempts, trying to bridge that gap between to, to the sequel trilogy and being like, this is the guy who was orchestrating it and he was using dark magic and he was doing it in another galaxy. That's why then you know no one knew what was happening. And so you've got all of that that's really interesting. You've got Ahsoka's journey, which is really interesting. You've got... But the big thing I want to talk about was Ray Stevenson as Balin Scott, who is just a scene-stealer. Oh, and it's so sad that he's passed away. Yeah, Because he is, um, you know, in it he's called a Sith, but he's like, say, it was just orange. So you're Ooh. like, how is he? And he talks about, he clearly has a, a motive for why he's doing what he's doing and why he goes to this other galaxy. He's not there for fun. He's not there to, to bring, you know, the, the new arm back. You know, he he was a Jedi. He talks about obviously the te- being growing up in the temples and knowing the 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 folklore and the myths and all that kind of stuff. And he's just above it all. He's got he's a character that who's keeping his cars close to his chest, and that makes him so interesting. And he's played just within an inch of perfection by uh, by Ray Stevenson and it's on the one hand it's great you know that it you know he's his his last piece of art that he kind of he's releasing is is such a such a good performance it's, it's break, also it? incredibly sad to know that you know I don't know how the series ends his character might go out of it but obviously if they intended for him to come back to season 2 um what shoes they are to fill uh, he, he's also got like a, a an apprentice in it um Played by Ivana uh, Shakno uh, Shin Hattie, again, the two of them are really cool, like as these kind of mercenary sifts that you know that, that are parading through the galaxy. It's just really good, really good. I'm really thoroughly really enjoying Ahsoka. Two episodes left, um, and if you haven't watched it, I would highly recommend it. And you, the, I think this is, this is the show though that you probably need to have watched the, no, the animated series to get and and I know Mandalorian mm. was kind of like could be its own thing Book of uh, Boba was it you, know, very, you kind of needed to know who Boba was and that he went in Silex Pier but other than that it told a new story this very much is a live action sequel to where the animated series ended and where certain characters did, went and now trying to find them so you kind of do need a bit of context from the animated world fair enough but, doesn't, um, it doesn't
1: bridge its It bridge that gap itself that well.
0: Well, it's like it's like in episode one of the series they start talking about Ezra, who's the kind of the character that you follow in this in the TV series, and and I did think if you didn't watch Rebels or, or you you'd be bit. like, well, who's who's this Ezra character then, and and why does everyone love him so much, and why you know, it doesn't really go out its way to explain who who he was. He kind of relies on you knowing a little bit about that character, but oh my god it's so good and and like I say you've got all witches and stuff like that in it now as well which is cool it's like adding these new dimensions this kind of like darkness to it Um, and like I say in the last episode we got to see you you know a new army being formed by Thrawn Um, you know this scene that is just straight out of like the Empire handbook of you know like they're all but they're all instead of them being like deathly silent while Darth Vader like walks through the middle of them all they're all like chanting his name like he's like a god to them he's the creator and you're like oh and Benedict Cumberbatch was going to play him,
1: but then oh, right. didn't
0: because he said that he didn't want to spend hours in the makeup chair, you know, when he's got a young family and stuff that he needs to spend time with. So they'll probably insert him back.
1: They'll insert him into something yeah, if,
0: else. I would say if you haven't seen it, do watch it. Like I say, it doesn't it's, it doesn't follow Skywalkers or anything like that. It's its, its own thing. It's its own <laughs> 100%
1: thing. 100% sold. It's very, very, very good. Bloody hell. I, that's on Disney Plus. Mm. You know what else Disney Plus did well? Mm. They did a documentary. And now you're gonna be ummin and are in about your listeners. Listeners, you you either care about football or you don't. However, when Ryan Reynolds and Rob McInerney, the creator of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, bought the small Welsh club of Wrexham. They have created a whirlwind in that sport. And what I mean by that is is football or soccer is the most popular sport in the world it is without a shadow of a doubt far surpassing on most continents do you know what one continent is not the most popular sport in the world America which is obviously a great market for it to smash now the cynic in me says that Ryan Reynolds has bought Wrexham because he's a great producer of brands you know he promotes you always say this he no longer acts he promotes the brand of Ryan Reynolds and Ryan Reynolds as Deadpool is Ryan Reynolds Mm. Ryan Reynolds has got in on the ground floor of the next big push into the Americans to make this the most popular sport. They've done it, Messi now plays for Inter Milan, which is a team owned by David Beckham, a massive sports star in America now, you know, uh, the best player in the world arguably lives there. Two of his its biggest, one of his biggest actors now owns a club in Wales and it's coming across, you know, it's building the brand. It really is building the brand because there are now American investors that will want to get into football. Them owning a football club is great for FIFA, it's great for American investors, and it's great for fans if they stay there long-term and they do the right thing. So it's a insidious move to get into a big market, and Ryan Reynolds has seen the business acumen do to get in there at the ground level and really build from it. You know, build it to massive brand, sell it, I presume, is the, the play.
0: Kind of like what he did with the aviation gym he, stuff.
1: Yeah, exactly. And and you know that he was thinking about this because even before he brought the football club, he has a documentary about him owning this football club. But what you don't expect, and what Ryan Reynolds doesn't expect, that he will fall in love with the club, Wrexham Football Club. And through this documentary, you get to see an insight into Ryan Reynolds' business state, but also Rob McInerney's love of the underdog. So he is from Philadelphia. He was there when the Philadelphia Eagles won the Super Bowl. He's a huge fan. He, One of his writers on the show, who's, a, who's in the documentary, is a British comedian who you recognise as I'm sure I've seen him in something he's always in a sketch show or he's a talking head on a lot of documentaries and he was watching football games between when he was watching breaks when he was writing on or it's on the and Rob McInerney got into it and then he thought you know what a business the documentary is amazing it's one of the best documentaries I've ever seen it's fantastic They're, I think episode 3 they remove everything to do with football and Rob McInerney and Ryan Reynolds give you a history of Wales and the town of Wrexham They talk about its past owners and how it was abused and stuff like that. Don't get me wrong, it's very carefully constructed so that they are the saviours of Wrexham. But do you know what? It was a thoroughly fascinating watch. And the only reason I bring it up is because I've seen it. Mm. And Series 2 has started. And because it's a documentary, it'll always be a year behind. I know for a fact that Wrexham have an even better year. They get promoted. So at the end of this season, I'll know they get promoted. They have a former England goalkeeper play for them who saves a penalty in the last game. It's Hollywood, mate. You know, Hollywood could not have written a more perfect story than the season that Wrexham are about to have. And it's actually fantastic. And it reminded me of another great documentary called... I was on Netflix, so I haven't seen it in a while. I no longer have Netflix. It's called Sunderland Till I Die. Sunderland's just been relegated from the Premier League and they got a documentary team in to watch their march back to the Premier League. And that's how it's set up. Best, best uh, conditions, best stadium. Sunderland got relegated that season in a documentary that you could tell halfway through the documentary they wanted to stop making (laughs) because it was embarrassing. (laughs) And I think football films are terrible, but do you know what they make for? They make for great documentaries. Welcome to Rexham was a fantastic watch. He's really good. Rob McInerney, I think, might be an underrated genius. He, if you've ever seen Always Sunny in Philadelphia, he plays that kind of line in it. He does commentary on Ryan Reynolds. (laughs) Ryan Reynolds does like, he'll be talking to him and you'll have Rob's voice to drop over and go, just look at him. It's yeah. <laughs> very funny. It actually would work as a TV show as well. And I did not expect to enjoy it as much as I did. By about episode three, I realised I was hooked. Did you realise so it's going to
0: be a film one day? Yeah. In 10 years, yeah, it'll be definitely. a film produced by them two. They won't star in it because they'll obviously be, be a bit older there. A bit older. But they will, and they'll cameo somewhere, is it? And like the janitors or something. But it's it, you're right, it's Hollywood. It, I've, I've not seen it, but I would know the story. And you, I know that's going to be a film at some point.
1: Yeah. And and it's like the last episode is there at Wembley, and you have Will Ferrell there, and Will Ferrell you've never you know why is Will Ferrell there? You've just seen his mate's f- football club that he owns, and it's become a status thing. Mm. And so it's just basically it's like you can see the future coming. You know what's going to happen soon. So football clubs will be the the next. You know, like oh, what do you own? Oh, I own this football club. <laughs> it's well, really weird. If
0: tycoons, you know, and you know they can can buy football clubs and pump billions into yeah. it. Why can't actors do the same yeah. thing? Turn it into documentaries, award-winning documentaries. Yeah,
1: it was, it was very good. I really did enjoy it. We're,
0: uh, we're going to go into Ewan McGregor. Yeah, there we are. Finish this episode off by talking about a uh, tedious thing, I suppose, is Star Wars, because that's going to pop up in this at You some went point. to
1: Scotland recently? So
0: I've been to Scotland. I just got back from Glasgow. So, yeah, we are going to talk about one of their own, um, one of their natives.
1: I saw Ewan a motorbike McGregor. the other day. God, yeah.
0: he's a good-looking man on there a motorbike. He uh, is. Yeah, yeah, again, there's the link. I think... I think Looking at his earlier career and and his TV series and his films, it it really for me to start in '96 with Train Spotting. First one is I, I don't know the works of you know some of his like uh, Blue Juice, Screen One, Shallow
1: Grave. Being so, human. I have seen Shallow Grave, which is great because it's got a young Christopher Eccleston in it as well. That's a really good film. Well, there you go. Yeah, there you go. So I saw that. Do you know what? He's always had great hair. I've always hated him because I have no hair. I'm going bald, but. Hugh McGregor, mate, in that film. Full lock of hair. And he carries that on to when he plays Obi-Wan. Full lock of hair. He does have good hair. He does have a good mullet. He looks good with a beard. He looks good as a skinny heroin addict as well. It, it in can you remember the first time you watched it? I I can remember it. And I didn't know what was going on. I, no, I did not understand I, it. I did not
0: understand it. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck is this? I, I actually knew <laughs> yes. the, uh, the repurposed the Lust for Life track, Iggy Pop. Yeah, uh, It may have been the Stooges, but Iggy, Iggy Pop song. And... Um, and so I knew that and, and you know that 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 song and I was like, Oh, this is the film that it's from, then is it? And yeah. just being like, the fuck is going on with this film?
1: The, uh, the the like like there's a bit that I never understood until much later is when he gets kicked out of the bed after he's had sex with the young girl. Yeah. <laughs> and he pulls something off his penis, and I never knew what it was. And then and then like when I saw it, it was, oh, it's a condom. He, he stood there and he said, Oh, it's just pulling off a condom that he's <laughs> yeah. just used. Or there's a bit where he's having withdrawal and a baby crawls across the room. And when I first saw it, I thought it was hilarious. Because <laughs> it doesn't look doesn't look scary, but at the same time, I imagine when you're coming off I a heroin, mean, you know, when you're coming off the track, mate, maybe, maybe a bit scary. I mean, I
0: mean, this is it's full, it's it, it captures full on Scottishness, doesn't it? In, in that it's written by Evan <laughs> so <is> Walsh. Evan <laughs> Walsh did the uh, the the book. And I don't know if you've ever read any of his work, it's hard work. To, I've, I read Filth, and it was one of the hardest books to read. I've,
1: I've read this book, and every time they're on. They're on smack. He writes it as in very colloquially. So, how they speak. I'm like, I've got a date.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so,
1: they're with the Dubliners, mate. I can't read it. I'm just like, oh, for fuck's sake. It took me twice as long to read
0: Filth because I had to keep rereading it. And in my head, obviously, the voice in your head becomes Scottish from reading it. But it's a Danny Boyle movie. Ewan McGregor was uh, obviously Danny Boyle's kind of um, boy. Boy at the time, wasn't <laughs> it? Yeah. Until yeah. they moved to Leo in the beach. Um, yeah. But it's also got uh, Johnny Lee Miller, Ewan Bremner, and uh, Robert Carlyle in it. Love who Robert is Carlyle, fucking terrifying yeah, in uh, in this movie. And he's the he's the kind of person you just wish you'd never ever meet um, in real life. It's also yeah. got Kelly McDonald in it as well. It
1: is Kelly McDonald's the the, the love interest, the love although interest, yeah. she's not actually a love interest when you when you have the story. She's not. What I love about this is the only thing I knew Robert Carlyle from at an early age was this and the Full Monty. So it's either he'll brick you or he'll take his clothes off, but he's a nice guy. Or twenty-eight <laughs> weeks later, where if you're his wife, he'll fucking leave you to, <laughs> to be in. <eaten. laughs> <laughs> um,
0: the strange point, yeah, great, great movie. It's a, it's iconic, isn't it? It's, it's a classic. It's, it's. I mean, dorm rooms and universities just had that poster everywhere, yeah. didn't they? Of the, of I had it. Yeah, yeah. Sick boy. sick boy? Johnny Lee. I like Johnny Lee Miller as well. I yeah, I've always quite liked him.
1: Mm, I, don't, I don't like his hacker's face when he was, he was a dick, to be honest. Mm. Never saw Elementary. You know, elementary yeah,
0: I didn't see that one, no. But, no.
1: you know, you got him big enough to get into the sequel for this film, which I didn't see happening.
0: So uh, then you've got uh, uh, Emma, you've got Tales from the Crypt. I know you're going to want to talk about Brastoff, though.
1: I love Brastoff. Brastoff's fantastic. Mate, we're talking about the best of British, you know, best of British talent. Not only not only this young man, but then you've got a very old, who was consistently old, Pete Pother's way. And it's But mm. such a Yorkshire town as well. It's a Yorkshire story. They play the band, but for a pit that's closing down, union men and women. Oh my God, it's a great film. It's a cracking film. Uh, there's uh, The Vicar from Balakis Angels also in it. I mean, I should probably do notes for this podcast sometime. <laughs> <laughs> um, but... It, uh, it's a great story about basically life and it's a fantastic story and it's a really good at the end so he chooses to stay in this bit but he has he wants to get out he has mm. dreams he has aspirations his love interest is the basically the administrator that's come to close the mind down and in the backstory, you've got um, the vicar from Ballagher's Angel in his spare time dressing up and pretending to be a clown at children's birthday parties getting beaten up because he owes money they come and like not you know the bailiffs come around, bailiffs are the most terrifying people. His his dad is Pete Potherswaite, Pete Potherswaite just wants to do the band. He, he basically, because he's the conductor, he doesn't give a toss about the minds. Well, he does care a toss about the minds, but he has a heart attack, he only cares about well, it's a great story that's very British in, in its telling. It's, it's fantastic. And if you haven't seen it, do you know what really upsets me about the world today? Do you remember you used to get a film like every other Sunday and like. The guide, you know, the times or something just give you a free, free movie, yeah, just in a cardboard case. This was always, yeah, was Brass was was yeah, 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 yeah. That and uh, what's that one that you had about 12 copies of? <laughs> Didn't you have a film? Dunstan Checks in, well, oh, yeah, it was an amazing film. That was, <laughs> <laughs> I, I,
0: yeah, I, I, I was one well and done with Brass Doff, I'll, I'll admit. you bit, sad because you know, I watched it, I was young and I wasn't really into movies set in Yorkshire and the, the unions, only the thing
1: that was missing from this film was Sean Bain scoring a penalty, <laughs> <True>. <laughs>
0: literally. <laughs> Would have made it as the, the most Yorkshire movie ever.
1: <laughs> and then had a cup of tea
0: afterwards. Um I did see Nightwatch, which is the movie that... Love Nightwatch. Kind of
1: is... is breakout. I say Breakout in Hollywood. In in, in American films, definitely. Yeah, Josh And that's Brolin terrifying. And
0: it is, yeah. I, I always thought it was a Stephen King short, but I don't think yeah. it is. I mean, it's written by Steven Solder, uh, uh, Soderbergh. Um, Nick Nolte in it as well. Anna, oh, um, I've genuinely forgotten Nick Nolte was in it. Oh, yeah, yeah, he's in it. Yeah, Josh Brolin, uh, Patricia Arquette's in it. Um, I remember being... I I saw this late on, like, ITV late night, and... You know, say so this is this is about a student, law student who takes on a job in the county morgue as the night watchman because you need a night watchman at the morgue.
1: Yeah, you do in case of um, the the bodies. Yeah, well, <laughs> it, and it gets
0: really creepy very quickly, doesn't it? Yeah. It's, it's like you know, lights start flickering, bodies start moving. Then he becomes the prime suspect in a murder in, in, inquiry. Right.
1: It's... So you got a job as you, you uh, what are the hours? Oh, you'll be working from midnight till six in the morning. Right. Whereabouts? Oh, you be working at the morgue first night. The lights flicker. I'm done. I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> see, Second like, night, yeah.
0: you hallucinate that. A, that a corpse is being dragged into the elevator goodbye this is done. my nose yeah yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no just stick around mate. <laughs> third day Nick
0: Naughty I'm fucking done I'm leaving the country <laughs> that watch was really I got really freaked out by that one actually and it's it's one of the movies where for the longest time I knew of it, I, it but I didn't know it was Ewan McGregor you know it was one of them films where yeah. it's like you know because <laughs> again I, I've just I always thought it was some I thought it was a Stephen King uh, a, a short that
1: they adapted but do you know what he was doing around this time? He was winning an Emmy for a guest appearance in the hit TV series he was in
0: ER. <laughs> I know he was in ER.
1: Yeah. I think that might have genuinely have been the first time I ever saw him. <laughs> Serpent's <laughs>
0: Kiss. He also came around then. That's where he met a, a Charlie Borman, who he'd later go around the world uh, on motorbikes cool. with. I like that documentary series. I, I only even got into that documentary it.
1: series because of you. Yeah. I
0: love so, that. Uh, long Way Round in particular. Long Way Down's awesome. Long Way Up I didn't really care much for.
1: I think it was Long Way... What was the first one? Was that Down?
0: Long Way Round was the first one. Oh, Long one. Way Round,
1: that's the one I watched. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah that was brilliant. And then the second one's for Africa. Long Way Up was our, the tip of Argentina, I think, Yeah. Um, up to California, I believe. Uh, but they did it on electric bikes, the third one. Yeah. Um you know, yeah, you environment. Yeah, it's like the first the first one. It's like, oh yeah, we're going through like Kazakhstan and we're gonna go through Mongolia and we're you know and there's parts of Russia that we're not allowed to film in. And this one was like, right, a long way up was like, okay, so there's, there's a charging station here, and there's another one there, and it's like, oh, it's
1: just not the same. So there were three of them, it was these two and fucking Google Maps. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um but yeah, going going through his filmography, Serpent's Kiss, a lifeless ordinary velvet gold mine. Uh, little voice Welcome to Hollywood um, 1999 though Star Wars Episode 1 Phantom Menace Thank you very much
1: When you look at his filmography It really did come from nowhere Didn't it Because I knew who he was But surely I didn't know him Just from this film uh, You know like If you look at his filmography There's nothing really that stands out And then he was like Big news He was like He's going to be well, Train movie. spotting was bold Wasn't it It was But George Lucas Sees Trainspotting And goes Obi-Wan <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Or he's like, I fuck is terrified of Nick (laughs) Nolte, Obi Wan.
0: (laughs) Well, his uncle was in the original Star Wars. Yeah. So
1: uh, there you go. Tediously. I know. I'm all for it. I think genuinely, Alec McGuinness is amazing. But surely you've got it if you know who's the best Obi Wan. It's really the one that gets to tell a storyline. Yeah. You know, I mean by that is like Alec Guinness is a better actor, and we don't have to talk about Alec Guinness is one of the legends. You know, yeah, Alec But, but he's the, like, he wasn't sold on the first yeah, movie. He's, he's writing like, letters yeah, to his, his own, being he like, he dies <laughs> in the first one, in the second one, he's just there to like, shit takes position out, and then he's like, pay me,
0: yeah. <laughs> and then leave. He, he saw the box office of that first movie and was like, yeah, I'll come back for yeah, the sequel. Yeah, 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 I'll be blue. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is though, now when you know, like how big the world is and all the stories. You know, some of that dialogue I don't care how good an actor or Guinness is but you know he's like we fought in the Clone Wars really. he's <laughs> like it just, there's no real like meaning behind it when he was delivering those initial words
1: can I just tell you though that, that when you watch the original series you've got to remember how dumb as fuck the Empire is he's like looking for Obi-Wan Kenobi I might go ask old Ben who he it is he's like yeah it's me It's like What's your name? Oh, I was Luke Skywalker. Oh yeah, where, where are you? From? Oh yeah, yeah, you haven't changed planets. Oh, you live with yeah. the only people on the planet whose father knows in this planet. Yeah. makes did, sense. Did you change your surname, Luke? No, no. Move us? no, no. <laughs> that might, that might us? no. <laughs> no.
0: Sand though. That's why Vader never went. <laughs> Not going back there. Is it like sand.
1: Get to foot. That's <laughs> what he said. Uh, but no, I, no. I think that's a great choice, and and it's weird now because Hugh McGregor is now at that age where he plays, he plays like the distinguished, older mentor, mentor character. Uh, but obviously this time it was, uh, it was before he had his gloss and it's going around, you know, the streets. God, on Liam Neeson. Liam Neeson. So they had a they had good fundamental back and forth. Yeah. Aligned liked that.
0: Final Menace is a great movie. Fuck off. It, it's, it's, not, it's, it's let down in the middle by a pod racing scene that just completely kills the pace. No, it I it's,
1: for me it's when the child who can win the pod race can now fly ship. Yeah, <laughs> for that no, happens. But autopilot until it matters and then he can fly ship.
0: Not, so, he can, get, so, he, so
1: he can blow up a spaceship, but can't take off.
0: Let's, let's not get caught down in the nitty-gritty of the movies, James.
1: I'll never forgive. No,
0: it is right. Carry on. Rogue Trader. Eye the Beholder. Nora. I liked Rogue Trader, but I
1: thought that was pretty good. Yeah, yeah. It's only one of those three I've seen. Moulin Rouge, 2001. See, I don't understand how he's... Like, he's pretty big at this point. But when you look at his films, I still don't really know how. It's... it's it's the conundrum. He's, he's just been in Star Wars. He's, he's, I mean, he's big. been
0: in the biggest movie you know, to end the 90s.
1: But people then saw that film. <laughs> How did, did he ever career? Yeah, I'd like people, to point out as well, his hair was crap in that film.
0: <laughs> yeah, he had a little rat's <laughs> tail, didn't he? A little Padawan like little ponytail at No, Moulin
1: Rouge is the to sing. He goes up against a rejuvenated Nicole Kidman. Mm. I do like Nicole Kidman in this film. Fucking Jim Broadman.
0: Moulin Rouge was. Uh, I, I was at that age, so I was I was like 14, 15. So it was like it was like going to the cinema on dates and and because people had seen it and I, and I remember just having to pretend I liked it. Yeah. I wasn't really into musicals, still not that much. And yeah. I do like you McGregor, and he is he's got that wonderful, like blue-eyed like expression, you know, that big smile that he has. He's very charismatic, he's very captivating on, on on screen. But uh, all the way through, I was like, "This is just fucking mess." I know these songs, but they're all jumbled together. I, I have rewatched it since, and I did really like it later yeah. on. But I, when I first saw it, I was just like,
1: "When's the fun stuff happen?" Confession time: <laughs> never seen it. Couldn't be honest. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember when Sam? You know, listeners, when I were talking about, he loves this film, and I, I used to go, "Yeah, it's great." Yeah, because yeah. the se- elephant love melody. And, n- yeah. Never seen it. Couldn't give a toss about seeing it.
0: Never have I once sat down and gone, "Really want to listen to that." 2001, though, after he's done. Moulin Rouge he's like I need something to balance it out I'll do Black Hawk Down which never forget My that
1: boy. film had a huge cast it has a huge cast and I like him he's one of the leading stars in it when you look at the amount of people in it as well he, he holds his own he doesn't want to be in combat mate why is he there? he's out there because he's the only one that can type mm. gets given a gun mate he's out there he is the soldier who doesn't know what to do he's the the black sheep doesn't know what he's doing but he survives mate becomes a soldier by the end I have a soft spot for Black Hawk Down yep. for no real reason I just think it's okay never forget though it's a Josh Harnett film
0: and it's it really Josh impo- Harnett, it's really yeah.
1: important to remember these times Josh <laughs> Hartnett was in a massive war movie <laughs> because there's not that many films that you can say about Tom Sizemore Eric Banner William Finchnet yep there you go. It's got a Ewan Bremner in it from Trainspotting as well. It's also got, if you want to get really technical, it's got Cersei's brother that she fucked in Game of Thrones. He plays a sniper. It's also got a Hugh Dancy in it.
0: <laughs> yep. Kim Coates. God, I'm just looking at the film. I'm just looking at the... Uh... Oh, yeah, of course. That's who Jason Isaacs is in it.
1: I'm fairly certain it's got, um, you know, the terrorist that takes over the boat Captain Phillips. I'm sure he's in it as well. Might not be. I don't think it is. No, I
0: apologise. I think he was actually a Somalian pirate that they cast. Oh,
1: but then I sound like a wrong fucking idiot now, don't <laughs> I?
0: <laughs> it's uh, Black Hawk Down, then obviously Attack of the Clones. Oh my God, is that the worst? It, I don't, is, I don't it, think
1: it is because I genuinely think the last one was the worst, but I do think it's second. No, second no, Attack last. of the
0: Clones is. I think when when George Lucas was like, I don't even want a desk, I'm going to CGI that as well. Like, when you got to the point where you're blue screening... 99% of the movie it's just terrible
1: I don't want to embarrass him but he'll never listen to this it, my dad first asleep in a cinema during this film and I don't blame him like at the time I was embarrassed because he's proper snoring <laughs> for you know now no. Down With Love fuck oh, off never say charming re- movie don't remember it I've seen it I don't remember it
0: I like Down With Love actually it was it was innocent James it was at a time that was just simple 2003 René Zellweger Young McGregor looks nice in the suit. Yeah, it does. It was just, it, I, I quite liked it. Peyton redirected that one. Shame. Um,
1: <laughs> nothing, nothing to say on that.
0: Gonna put it out there now. Maybe my favourite young McGregor movie yeah. next. Big Fish.
1: Big Fish is a great, is a great story. We've all been there when we've listened to the older generation tell a story. Mm-hmm. They spin a yarn and you would get it, and you're like, I don't care. Big Fish is your imagination to 11 listening to that story yeah I think it's fantastic I think it's one of it. charming it's
0: whimsical it's it's long as well like there are sections in it where I'm like fuck, every time I rewatch it, I'm like oh yeah there's this whole witch scene <laughs> like, yeah. you know and stuff and Steve Buscemi pops up halfway through it and it's it, I love Big Fish I thought it was really really good
1: do you want know McGregor does oh sorry I've interrupted this. No, no. I was going to say he does a, he does whimsy so well in this film like yeah. these big wide eyes when he goes to the circus and he meets like the Siamese twins there's one of my favourite scenes looking up you know, meeting all these fantastic creatures. I love this film. Oh, fantastic people, sorry. Mm. I, this film's brilliant. And it's mm. weird because not many people know this film. And I always get confused. This isn't a Tim Burton film. Big Fish is, yeah. Oh, it is. Yeah. So this is the exception to rule. Well. This is the film that I adore. It's the the artistic license works really well in in this kind of imagination. Is it Albert Finney that does the voice?
0: Uh, Albert Fish the dad that dies. He's it telling the story. That's such
1: a great. His voiceover while Ewan McGregor's is acting it out is some of the best cinematography. You know, the best imagery and sound mixed together you'll mm. see in a long time. I love Fish. I'm putting in my top three for Defo.
0: It's I. It's probably going to be number one for me. Um, going to 2005. Talking of all star cast, Ewan McGregor, Halle Berry, Mel Brooks, Robin Williams, Jim Broadbent. I mean, this was a huge one as well. Paul Giamatti was in it. Paula Abdul.
1: <gasps> oh my God, not this. I don't know what film you're talking about.
0: Robots, mate. The animated film. I Don't like this film.
1: I love robots. I you do.
0: I know. Robert Williams, when he's like, i made of a special kind of metal. It's called a fradium.
1: It's yellow. And it smells like chicken. <laughs> it's such a good film. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what it was? Is someone told me how great it was and then I watched it. It wasn't as great. You, you don't know what happens to it? Like, if someone bigged up, knocking the cabin to me no they didn't no one did that
0: (laughs) I mean he 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 really got into his voice acting that year because he then also played Valiant in the movie Valiant I don't mind Valiant where he plays a pigeon he plays a yeah Yeah, I know I
1: don't tell me about Valiant I I fucking know everything about Valiant Uh, dropping off messages mate to help the war effort them little heroes mate them little heroes did our country proud. And I know why you like
0: this movie. Hugh Laurie's in it. Of course I love Hugh Laurie. And, and uh, John Hurt's in it. Rick Males in it. John Cleese is in it. Jim Broadbent's in it. Ricky Gervais is in it. Tim right, Corey's in it. Right, Jonathan
1: you, Ross is in it. Right, you take your robots, film, mate, and fucking Valiant just... you yeah, but what
0: do I want to watch? Robots or pigeons?
1: Pigeons that help us defeat the Hun in the war. Yeah, right, noble. <laughs> noble effort.
0: But as a kid... You know, I, was like,
1: it? I watched this like yesterday <laughs> no, when it came out in 2005. Yeah, you know, when I was like, <laughs> I don't remember
0: this film. <laughs> when I was like, well, actually, to be fair, I went, yeah, 18. <laughs> an 18. As an 18 year old, I wasn't like, I'm gonna go watch the Ewan McGregor fucking pigeon movie. No, but you were like, I could fucking see the Robots film, <laughs> midnight release.
1: Movie. It was an emotional roller coaster <laughs> with
0: Robin Williams in it.
1: <laughs> he just played himself at the box office. It's like, I'm in both. <laughs>
0: A weird, weird kind of uh, bunch of movies after this. You had Star Wars, obviously, episode three. Yeah, very weird. Um,
1: I won't forgive that film. I'm sorry, but it should have been a slam dunk and it fucking wasn't. And I have a problem with the end fight scene. It's not his fault. It's too choreographed. And do you know what? And We're going to get to a point further ahead. You know the final fight scene they had an Obi-Wan where they were just battering piss out of each other? That's what this fight should have been in episode three. In episode three, they're all doing flips and they're all very artistic. They should have been pounding batter out of each other, mate. Just yeah. like in the end of Obi Wan, because it was a fight about it wasn't a fight about who was the best fighter. It was like, I hate you, and the other guy's like, please don't stab me. <laughs> That's what it was. It should have been. It should have been epic on a brutal scale, and it wasn't. It was very upsetting, a very got- damp ending. <laughs> One of them got like three limbs taken off it. you put in a very shit. I have the high ground. Which which is
0: weird because two films ago, you just showed us one. That was bullshit. Because he's mastered the high ground, James. Because he's known how to... He's known how to anticipate the next move. Is it to just... Is it just hold out your lightsaber? It mirrors when he did it to Darth Maul so he knows what Anakin's about to do because he did it and he taught Anakin that because he was his master. So he knows the move he's about to do. When Anakin tries to pull it off... Out of the Obi Wan textbook, he's like, "Doom, there's your leg."
1: So gone. why Obi just why didn't like Anakin Skywalker just go a bit further up <laughs> and just get off? Wasn't yeah, that cool? There's loads of
0: things. Why didn't he force push him into the lava? There's loads of things that he could have done. Don't question it too much. The island we talked about that recently with the Michael Bay. It's on episodes. like three streaming sites. <laughs>
1: as soon as we mentioned it, it was like maybe you would like the island because we said that your love of Michael Bay kind of rests on that film because they're both fifty fifty. Is this film that makes or breaks? And I was like, no, I don't want to watch
0: it. <laughs> I, did, I I remember watching The Island and quite enjoying it. For, I like him for the chemistry with Scarlett Johansson and his know. evilness. Yeah, I, I did quite like it. Sean Bean, obviously. Obviously, um, Stay, which is a, a, a one that I've I've owned Stay on DVD uh, for I would say ten years, and I've hmm. never watched it.
1: We'll make it twenty. We'll do that for, if we ever make it to 20 years, we'll watch that.
0: I, I never, never have got round to it because it, it's Ryan Gosling's in it as well with Naomi Watts.
1: Ooh. Um, I'm surprised you haven't seen it then.
0: Yeah, I know. I, I, I bought it when a Blockbusters was shutting down. And you don't want to watch it because then the magic Blockbusters I is there. I don't want to over. open the case because it probably still smells it. of Blockbusters in there. And I don't want to savour I, that. Um, Stormbreaker, ugh, rubbish. Yeah. Oh my God, his filmography is not as good as I thought it was going to be. Miss Potter. It's all right. There's one film coming up that I really can't wait to get to because it the, the title is the worst title ever, but the film is fucking brilliant.
1: Uh, Cassandra's Dream, uh, Deception, I Love You Philip Morris. I liked I Love You Philip Morris. Different role for both of them. Yeah. I think he has great chemistry. I, the one thing you've got to say about him, he has good chemistry and he can pull off wild changes of character. You know, I can be a Jedi. I can be the gay lover of a con artist and, and be significant love interest to, you know, give reason for why this character would do it. I yeah I really like I, I really like it yeah. yeah. I, think, I think it showcases actually some of the best talent of Jim Carrey as well as uh, Q, uh, why am I saying Hugh Laurie you've got him on the brain again I have got him on the brain again um,
0: weird year 2009 because from that Angels and Demons with Tom Hanks can't the win them all
1: can I don't even right so I get a lot of stake for this I don't mind Angels I think it's the best one of the three but that's not a compliment <laughs> it's like you think Angels and Demons is the like, best of the three if you think it's but, yeah Inferno's the worst. Inferno is the worst. It doesn't even make any sense. Well, you know when they do the big reveal at the end, and the mm. big reveal is you weren't in a hospital room? It's like, yeah. Yeah, no, because well, hospital we, rooms have fucking locks on it. It's like, we all know that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, there's there's not a person that's watching this. Like, you're supposed to be clever. I worked out immediately. <laughs> yeah. um, also, Demon's when you leave, you're not in a hospital. Like, no point <laughs> you yeah. go past anything hospital related. <laughs> Age of Demons was, uh, it was I, interesting. Honest, I thought it was okay up until the third act when he takes the helicopter and and <laughs> never forget the God particle yeah, into yeah. the sky, parachutes down, becomes Pope. <laughs> I, <I'm> not, <laughs> if that's how they decided every Pope, I'm all for it. <laughs> Pretty certain in the book,
0: Robert Langdon falls out of the helicopter without a uh, parachute, but, and I quote, or I think I quote correctly, he aimed for the soft water.
1: I think that. So, so, what you're telling me
0: is is the film had a better <laughs> explanation for it. <laughs> Ewan McGregor has a sexy, like,
1: priest, <laughs> whatever he is in that. I don't know his exact term. Can I just say that it's so weird that he becomes Pope? Like, because that's what the people were screaming out for. They were calling out for the action Pope. <laughs> I want a Pope who's going to abseil. Um, Men who Steer at goats, which I loved. Oh, I think it's such an underrated gem. I always forget about this film existing. And it's really cool because it's kind of like a sequel to the Big Lebowski. You've got Jeff Bridges, but you've also got an, a phenomenal George Clooney off his hinges, he, he, and Hugh Greg is the great straight man getting into this world. I love this film. Mm. I also love the book, and I love the Sir Joe Joe Renson, Ronson. Joe Ron, uh, John Ronson. John yeah. Ronson. Yeah. So I've got a lot of his books as well. That I'm a huge fan of.
0: It's uh, Kevin
1: Spacey's obviously in it, and
0: uh, and rightfully um, credited. Uh, goat is also in it. Yeah. I love how, I love how the goat made the front cover of the, of of the and he should should never forget Goat never
1: forget, and I'd like to point out he's, a named, he's named in the film so um Amelia
0: uh, came out then in 2009 then The Ghost which I'm certain went through it's The Ghost Rider it, it? it was The Ghost Rider originally it was so good in this film yeah they changed to the, it's now just out of The Ghost but it was The Ghost Rider wasn't it and this yeah. is obviously controversial because the Roman Polanski movie yeah um, where, yeah, he gets hired as a ghost writer for a former British Prime Minister, in this case, played by uh, Piers Brosnan. Um, Piers Brosnan is... When you say
1: former Prime Minister with, like, shadowy under- overtones, you instantly think, oh, yeah, Piers Brosnan. Yeah. Like, you do. <laughs>
0: and do you know what's really weird in this? Jim Belushi's in it. Is, is he? Yeah, Jim Belushi's in it. And... Um, of course he is. Uh, John Berthnell's in it. John Burfnell is, is, like, the American hookup, in it? It, it. Like... So you think all the way back then, Bertrand was getting in our brains.
1: Uh, can I just say, I saw a new TV series, I've only seen one episode, so I haven't bought it today. it's called We Own This City. It's from the, creator, yeah. from the creator of The Wire, which I love. And John Bethnal, and I've only watched one episode, he's, he's the best acting I've ever seen him do. Yeah,
0: I've, that's on my watch list. I got rid of Now TV and, and the entertainment's, thing, uh, and I right. need to get it back for it, because he yeah, yeah, apparently the, just blew everyone out of the oh, water. Oh, he's so really good.
1: good. Like, he has an opening monologue, mate, of about 15 minutes, and it's amazing. Um, Nanny McPhee... Carmen And The Big Bang? Still commoner.
0: Beginners, which I, I really liked. I was a big fan of the movie Beginners in 2010. So it's the one where uh, his dad, played by the great Christopher Plummer, um, comes out as gay in his later life. And he's going through, um, you know, kind of exploring that side of him. And Hugh and McGregor is the straight son. And I mean straight as in like the straight-laced son, you know, yeah. with the jaw. You know, like kind of... And there's a... Um, there's a, it's one of the films where like, there's a dog in it as well, where every now and again, subtitles come up for what the dog's thinking. I love that. And, uh, it's got a, a, Melanie Lauren in it, who I can't remember if she broke out just before or after with, uh, Inglorious Bastards. I think obviously famous and, and big in European cinema and French yeah. cinema, but Inglorious really kind of catapulted her into the mainstream. But Beginners is a really quirky, uh, indie movie. That's, that's really quite charming actually. Um, I really loved it. And, uh, that's that's in my top three beginners. And it's and it's peak McGregor, you know, when he looked absolutely charming. Um some really weird ones coming up after this. That you've got uh the, the film that I referenced earlier about the weirdest title in it, in this filmography. I've been trying to work what it is. But a brilliant film. Salmon Fishing in the Yemen.
1: Oh, I love that film. It's a fucking
0: really great movie. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. on a title alone, I was like, I'm not sure if I want to watch that. It's um, a, I've,
1: this is one of these films I definitely watched with you. Yeah. And as a joke, we put it on. <laughs> and it was <laughs> absolutely it was, because brilliant. Because it was called Salmon Fishing in Yemen. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so uh, it's Emily Blunt's in that movie as well. A, 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 a fish, a fishing expert, is approached by a consultant to help uh, realize a vision of trying to bring the sport of fly fishing to a desert. Yeah, <laughs> so he's kind of like hired by. It's
1: up there with like Cool Runnings, isn't it? It's just films that don't make any sense.
0: Yeah, but based
1: uh, on a true story, a lot like Cool Runnings. <laughs> I really,
0: I really enjoyed it actually. I really, I really enjoyed, enjoyed it as well. summer
1: fishing in the Yemen. But then again, I just think that's such an unoffensive and quite welcoming cast. Like, it's so nice. Like, mm. of course you'd want to watch that film.
0: Then uh, then got, a, a, again, another real big cast movie, and that is Haywire, directed by Steven Soderbergh. Um, and it's uh, got Ewan McGregor in it. It's the main star in it is Gina uh, Carano. Yeah. Uh, it's got Michael Fassbender in it. It's got Channing Tatum in it. Um, it's got Antonio what? Banderas in it. It's got Michael Douglas in it. Um, and this is the one about um, the Black Ops super soldier and Ewan is like the handler who sets uh, them off on a mission right. but then he double-crosses her. Then she becomes the femme fatale character, kind of offing everyone who stands in her way in a kind of stylistic action um Spy thriller. It's good. It's quite good, actually. It's quite, um, yeah. It's that. It's that kind of movie isn't it? It's like the, the you know, the, those that trained her betrayed her. So now she's got to take names. And it's good. It's violent. It was, it was graphic. It was uh, action packed.
1: Why are they always portraying the wrong people? <laughs> never, never once. They. Do you want to learn something about these 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 films? They always portrayed the good one. Like there's surely in, in all industries there's a shit one that knows someone. Which is how they got their position, and is very crap at their job. But no, never once does the bad guy go. We should frame that person. <laughs> we should frame John. He only got a job because he's married to Liz. You know, they never do that. It's always like, you know, the best one. Yeah, let's frame him because I won't come back to bite us on the ass. Idiots.
0: But that 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 narrative they will just do over and over and over and over. It never ends that narrative.
1: No, it doesn't. No. do you know what I mean?
0: Like the Prodigy. You know the the who who's kind of
1: She's the best the, racing car driver. Yeah, they're gonna screw him over like cut the brakes because they've got another one. Yeah, <laughs> you're just new like, kid on the block. But he's
0: like, he's the best. <laughs> you fucking idiot. And it, ju- it just doesn't make sense how they just keep rehashing that story.
1: Uh, um, I, I hate the story where there's like, there's a good agent whom they, are like the good guys think they've betrayed them. And so they hunt the good guy. And you're just like, but you did this. Yeah. Jack Bauer, like every season at yeah. one point, they hunt them and no one goes, well, you know, we did this last year. <laughs> Maybe we should just believe him. Take him as his word. Idiots. Um.
0: Then uh, the the impossible with Tom Holland, uh, young Tom Holland in that movie. Oh
1: yeah, it's Tom Holland. It's, I think I think that's an amazing film. Yeah, the,
0: uh, it, 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 the tsunami um, that happened in in Thailand and the family they get separated. Um, Scary. Yeah, yeah, it, and it's uh it, it's I, I've rewatched it not long back, and it is it's pretty. Talking about like three acts of a movie, it's pretty straightforward, this one. Mm. Like they, they go to the resort, they go to the, the place and it happens and then it's survival and, it, and it's trying to find each other and putting you in a, in a horrible situation and, and
1: how people had to kind of band together to get through it. And it's... um I always think this film horrifies tsunamis which as a natural disaster are ones that we're not taught to fear that much because they're not cinematic enough. Mm. If it's a volcano we know lava or earthquakes everything's going to happen. Tsunami like before this film it was just it was just a bit of water you'd be fine. It really does enhance the, the the disaster that is a tsunami and it brings a horror element of survival and it's really fascinating and I remember being uncomfortable watching the film which is great for yeah of film.
0: it was good the, the the you know the action scene in it is is horrifying and it's the the idea isn't it's not it's, it's not just the initial impact of the wave it's yeah. all the debris and everything under the water whereas you're being you know tumbling and tossing under the water and and like you know hitting all that shrapnel and all that stuff you know it was it was quite graphic and I was like oh god yeah that would that'd be horrible but um, Jack the Giant Slayer came out then, which was that kind of weird time in the 2000s where they started doing these hypergraphic graphic, visual, um, you know, like Red Riding Hood and vi- various various versions of Snow White and the Huntsman. And, yeah. and then all of a sudden, Jack the Giant Slayer, a film that we didn't know we wanted, and, and turned out we probably didn't want. <laughs> no, it turns out like we didn't. He still looks stunning in it. He did, didn't he? <laughs> <I didn't I? laughs> um, Million Ways to Die in the West. I honest, I, 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 I don't think it's that so good. Uh, you had Son of a Gun you had the one that I can never pronounce that more da- more de- Deshi de- Daki the, the Johnny Depp one yeah. that they didn't do too well Last- you can
1: forget about it it wasn't a good film we've got nothing nice to say
0: about it Last Days in the Desert yeah it's alright just, just coming back for Star Wars Jane got a gun our kind of Traitor American Pastoral which was his uh, directing debut um, which is pretty good Trainspotting 2 we went to sit and watched that on we the day a, of 3 we did the day of 3 with Jackie Trainspotting two and you lion,
1: fucking what's like a very
0: is a very long day. Beauty and the Beast.
1: We played Lumiere. Yeah, you were so happy about that casting. I'll uh, never forget how I, happy. I don't you know were.
0: if I was. I thought you were. That's Maybe the one was where you only... had to go back, didn't he? You? you had to go back and to, less French and, and, and <laughs> less like less offensive to French. <laughs> But then when you watch the final picture you're like this that, is what they were with because <laughs> no one else is doing that you're in, like because you had um Ian McKellen yeah. playing Clockworth and he's not he's not laying on it's, the, the fixed though, isn't McKellen
1: I never understood why you'd want famous people to you want them to know that you've got famous people don't put on accents yeah. it's like the Sean Connery way of acting throw it in like every 30th word people will get it Yeah, <laughs> it's fine <laughs> <laughs> um you then uh,
0: the TV series Fargo which we talked about a few weeks back amazing um Christopher Robin which aesthetically it, yeah. was beautiful like it was a really good film and it, and it was one of those films that was made for for all generations new new into Winnie the Pooh and, and um you know the AA Milne kind of characters but also as adults that have grown from it you know we could we, you could latch into an older Christopher Robin in that film. I quite enjoyed it. I mean, it does that thing where it takes um, you know, animals, uh, your know, creatures or toys or whatever it is and puts them on big red buses in London and out of their natural environment, out of the hundred acre woods or thousand acre woods, whichever one it is, and and puts them in like real life scenarios, which has a bit like, I eh, get back to the woods. The woods yeah. is the fun bit. But Chris Robin, I thought, was they, they looked gorgeous. Like Winnie the Pooh and 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 Eeyore and Piglet, they they just looked brilliant in that film. I thought it was really really good. Oh, I thought
1: it was a good idea as well with an
0: older Chris Robin.
1: Yeah. yeah, I think that's just a good idea. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it
0: worked brilliantly with Hook. It did. Oh. Oh, I <laughs> like that. <laughs> Uh, Dr. Sleep in 2019. A, I mean, underrated, massive, very underrated massive pull for and McGregor because who steps into the into the shoes of Dan Torrens?
1: Uh, yeah, do you know what? Underrated, I forget about that film and he's very good on it.
0: Yeah, I, I thought it was a really good film, Dr. Sleep.
1: film didn't deserve to be as good as it was.
0: It, it, no, one, no one thought The Shining needed a sequel. No. You know, and I know it, it's obviously off the book of the same name and it kind of, the thing about The Shining as a standalone, because you had the two camps so we did this in a Stephen King episode, where you have the the book lovers, you have the film ones, you know the Kubrick lovers. Yeah, you have those that don't like. How and the, the Twain sort of shall never meet. Yeah, <laughs> but then, but so then, you know, Doctor Sleep obviously kind of explores a bit more of The Shining, and then now all of a sudden you have Rose the Hat. who I know you love that name. and yep. um, When we saw that film. Uh,
1: you, which I, one's I, she? She's got a hat. I liked.
0: I quite liked it. Rebecca Ferguson, wasn't it? Yeah, I quite liked Doctor Sleep. And again, changed the ending, which no one really picked up that much on. In in the book and in, in the because uh, obviously in the book the hotel blows up. In this, they can't. They follow the film because obviously they need to go back to the hotel for the final scenes. But um, yeah, slight ending in this film as well. But you didn't see everyone get up in arms about it, did you, James?
1: Is, is, oh, do you think I'm responsible? What? I don't know. <laughs> mate I would I would change the ending to all films if I thought he would piss everyone off Birds of Prey as Black Mask I, he was very good as Black Mask he was very good as Black Mask yeah he was very one more time it's a DC villain DC of the best villains it was a DC villain that's not A tier he made 80. A tier made it menacing made it great foil for a Spunky, you know, team out to get him. Very good casting. Very well played. Great. I, I'm upset because I assume he died in it and can never come back.
0: Yeah, we, I don't think they should have killed him out of it because they yeah. could have had a lot more fun with that character. I really like that character as Black master as well. I think he's yeah. one of the good villains in in uh, the Batman repertoire. Um, You've then got um, Birthday Cake, which I reviewed, I think, during lockdown uh, in 2021. It's just not a good movie at all everyone can mini miniseries which of course it was phenomenal Pinocchio recently the Del Toro um was, reimagining where he played Jiminy Cricket I fucking love that film I
1: genuinely think that film's a masterpiece uh,
0: it is we haven't
1: actually it, talked about that on that show Pinocchio
0: I used, did we not ju- I thought I covered it when we when uh,
1: watched you, it did you I oh okay then I'm sorry I wasn't listening. it was
0: just <laughs> it, it was just stunning because I stunning. think that's fault film I think it is Yeah, it's
1: a film I love that film I remember watching that and thinking John, you know I stopped watching that film because I wanted us to, to watch it with me because it was i was it was 20 minutes in I was like this is amazing
0: yeah and do you know what I, it was the first time in a long time where I've watched a film that felt long but I really didn't mind you it. didn't give a shit you know, like, like I want more yeah I was yeah. like yeah, keep going let's see where this goes and, and it was just layer after layer of brilliance and characters and let's say voice acting from the likes of Christoph Waltz in there as oh, well just
1: it's a shame he's on Netflix yeah I don't have Netflix no more I've missed out you can watch it around mine James there you go sorted
0: um so the question was, what was your favourite Ewan McGregor movie?
1: I'm a slot for early careers. So I love Big Fish. I actually love Pinocchio. That was actually on my list. I even liked The Impossible, which was on, like, you know, when I was trying to grade him. <sighs> he made the life of a heroin addict come to life in, like, lower-class Scotland with iconic moments with, like, I haven't felt that good. You know, he's having sex and it cuts to another character and they're watching a football a football game and he's like I haven't felt this good since Archie Thomas scored that goal against Holland in 1973 or and you're like that's peak he will never beat this it's Trainspotting he, without a shadow of a doubt I love yeah. and he is so good as Renton in it is it Renton? I mm, think yeah. really, it is Renton yeah I just thought what a great cast of characters great actors and he does a phenomenal job of basically introducing us to this world showing us how he survives charismatic to the point of he is a scumbag we see him break the law and we love him. Mm. You know he does the big speech at the end where he's like I do want it. Steals the money from his you know all his friends. Except for one friend Sick Boy. No not Sick Boy. I always get Sick Boy confused with Spud. Spud yeah. Keeps the money for Spud. And then he goes away. And I, I, It was one of those times I actually didn't mind the sequel when he shows up I thought they just made a sequel for shits and giggles and it worked. I enjoyed it. Mm. Sat in that cinema with you. There you go. I'm going to train spine number one.
0: I'm I'm going to stick to Big Fish. That is a great choice, mate. You can't go wrong. Yeah, I, I think I am. I think I've, I had so much fun watching it. he was very charismatic in that movie. It was wonderful how it unfolded as this kind of fantasy, but also it, had, it felt like I had grandeur. It felt like I had this big sweeping story, you know, over, over a person's lifetime. And it... We we started this episode talking about M. Chamlin not sticking the landing, and I thought that movie stuck the landing perfectly. Billy yeah. uh, really Crudup is the, is the, obviously the the uh, the son at, uh, at his his father's uh, side as he's passing, and you know after Albert Fiddy passes, all those characters kind of come to life, come to the funeral, and it still has that question mark over what was real, what wasn't. Um, but I just I just thought it was beautiful that film. I thought it was really good, and I like that it was a Tim Burton film that didn't. Tim Burton everywhere, yeah. There's no jolly death in sight. <laughs> Helen, Mir- um, Helen and got in there like yeah, but, but she had to.
1: <laughs> you have to get some it, of the A close second
0: would be Pinocchio, but not not necessarily for his Jiminy cricket, which just, was good. It was just a great film, wasn't um, it? <laughs> yeah, I, I like I like how his Jiminy cricket was like writing. You know, was the it was the narrator and was and was like. I'm not long for this world, so yeah. I've got to tell this story. <laughs> it's like it just had this like tragedy a, behind this. It was a great opening, cricket, wasn't it? Yeah. Where it's like,
1: he's gonna die,
0: yeah. And he's he's like, he's like, I've I've got a matchbox uh, uh, coffin ready. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like I thought he's really really good, and and that's that's Del Toro. That's all the the, the hours of that, those animators putting that film together in what was just a sweeping brilliance throughout the whole film Doctor Sleep's a wild card I, I think yeah. Doctor Sleep's a, a, one one that again I quite enjoyed um, you know I don't think I. Th- but then did, it, did I enjoy it because it played on the nostalgia of The Shining which is, Maybe. which is in my top three like horror movies come at me Stephen King fans Um so I, yeah but I did I did like Transport and I'm not going to take that away from you I do like it
1: I, well I liked yours and if as well. you haven't
0: seen The Beginners uh, sorry Beginners I, I would recommend that as a as an indie darling and The Minister <gasps> of Goats there's loads of good I, films I, in you here. Know what?
1: if we had to pick my favourite film I think you should see I think you should go, go go old school go proper old school see if you can get it I think it's on film 4 it's, it was definitely a film 4 production Shallow Grave go back and see if you can find that out Mm. There you go. There's a hidden gem where it's great because they're all right. So just they're all three friends that live together. That I, <clears throat> I I can't remember. They accidentally kill someone, or one of the three dies, and they try to hide that from Lily Allen's dad. <laughs> oh <yeah. laughs> He's a It's just fucking brilliant. I just remember having so much fun with that film. Mm. But then again, I've had that's why I've been burnt by that. You remember when you remember a film, and you think it's great, and then you rewatch it and you realise, oh my god, you've watched shit. <laughs> uh, I am going to rewatch Black Hawk Down though.
0: Because I had a taste for a war movie the other day, and I thought, you know what? I I haven't seen that film in years—absolutely years.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's long, it's long. So, um, in August, yeah, we asked our audience who was the coolest character in film. Mm -hmm. Taking a little break for September, but in October, I'd like to know who's the best horror icon,
0: yeah, and
1: why. So that's what we're going to be asking our audience for October, and then in December, end of the year. We're going to ask for our audience's favorite twists in films. Oh, that you didn't see coming. We'll get a list going. So you think of that. You know, horror month is coming up. Did Hellraiser last year? It's time to move on. Was
0: that a year ago? (laughs) Was
1: it two years ago? Yeah, I don't know. I can't remember. I thought that was way more recent than that. Maybe. Because didn't
0: we watch it? Didn't we coincide it with the
1: The release? Oh, yeah, maybe. Maybe. Who cares? It was Hellraiser. No, it nearly killed the podcast. They all know. All my ideas always do. <laughs> <laughs> who was who did who wanted to do on the sea? It was me,
0: <laughs> yeah. Let's do let's do horror icons because we are where the hell did September go, but yeah, we will yeah. be uh into October shortly, so yeah, we'll start that then. Uh, asking everyone who their favorite horror icon is, who's number one. Obviously, the big hitters
1: are going to be on yeah. there, So, we were also wondering as well, um, what kind of I mean, hopefully, we'll do quizzes. Yeah, I, I think I might do a quiz for you. We might get Esther in as a guest because we'll do the film expert so your choices should be good it's the horror virgin there you go and planning all these things they won't happen (laughs) for you doing another play by play
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's our show for this week that was episode 262 hope you like it like I said knock at the cabin we talked about Ahsoka the miniseries we looked at Ewan McGregor's filmography and obviously welcome to Wrexham the uh, documentary a lot so of
1: recommendations on. this week
0: yeah, yeah yeah and let us know what your favourite Ewan McGregor movie is if you like this episode don't forget to leave a review like subscribe get a new episode each and every week for free uh, and we'll keep doing them as long as people keep listening so <laughs> let us know what you want us to do next and do you want we to promise <laughs> no more Steven Seagal <laughs> never if I, if I don't see you later good afternoon good evening good night goodbye
1: oh sorry mate. I was really flagging